Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask for inspiration. I just ask that every word will be inspired. You know every single person here. You know everyone that is a part of this conference online. You just know us into the details. And I just ask, Heavenly Father, Psalm 107 verse 20 said, you sent your word and that you healed us and delivered us from all our destructions. This conference marks the beginning of a new season. You are the God that changes seasons. So Lord, in Jesus' name, this conference is for a shift to a new level. It's for multiplication, for enlargement. It's for new visions, new dreams, and the impartation of new courage. So Heavenly Father, do everything that is in your heart to do. In Jesus' name. So I read this story many years ago, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, because I just found it so inspiring. And I share it all the time, about a, a minister who was preparing his sermon on a Saturday. And his wife was out to town, but left their young son with him. Now the son was very active and was disturbing the man of God. But the man of God was being distracted from preparing his sermon. The boy would go out, come into his study, go out, come into his study. So he decided to keep the young boy busy. So he just opened one magazine like that and tore out a page. On it was the map of the world. So he, he tore it into pieces, tore it into bits, and packed them and gave the boy. Said, go and put the world together. He knew, he, he believed it would take the guy a long time to put the world together. <clears throat> the boy went out. Five minutes later, the boy came back. And he had the map correct. <laughs> Pastor was stunned. He said, Johnny, what did you do? <laughs> How did you do it? The guy said, there's no big deal to it. Before you tore the, the paper, I was looking at it from the other side, and there was the picture of a man. So, so instead of putting the world together, I decided to put the man together. <laughs> He said, I knew that if I put the man together, the world would also come together. The man said, wow. You know, the light bulb just went off. And he, said, he just tapped the boy's head. He said, thank you, Johnny. Thank you. I've been trying to work on what to preach tomorrow. You just gave me my sermon. <laughs> if you can put the man together, then you can put the world together. Come on. <laughs> And honestly, it's really true. That's why this conference is very important. Satan hates to see a wholesome man, a man that is together. We come to think of it, when women have their conferences, and they try to analyze, they discuss their issues and try to analyze what their problems are, men feature prominently. <laughs> Sorry, I don't attend women's conferences, but they tell me what <laughs> they discuss there. And then you find out men are a major part of their problem. Unfortunately, the men are not there. This, the origin of their problems don't attend the conferences. That's why this conference is very important, honestly. Thank you, Pastor Wally. This conference is very important. Satan hates to see men that are together because broken men produce a broken world. Hmm. Satan went after the first man. Went after the first man. And as soon as the man was broken, everything else was broken. The ground was cursed for his sake. 
the family was driven out of the Garden of Eden. Broken men mislabel women. God gave Adam the power to name everyone and everything. Once Adam became broken, he began to mislabel. Man began to misname. It's a big issue. There's power in the words of a man. Sadly, men began to abuse women. Men have the power to name. And when something went wrong at the beginning, one of the pronouncements that was made, especially to the woman, was that she would look up to her husband. So you have women looking up to men to find their identity, looking up to men to build their esteem. Unfortunately, they, they look in the wrong place because the man himself is broken. John chapter 8 is instructive. The story of the woman caught in adultery. And they said that they dragged her to Jesus and said that the law of Moses said she should be stoned to death. When you read the story, you find out it was the men that dragged her and told Jesus she was caught in adultery in the very act. It was the men. And it was only the woman that they took and said she was caught in adultery in the very act. Where was the man? And Jesus saw right through their hypocrisy. They had built structures, built systems that allowed men to be hypocritical, to abuse power, but then abused everybody else. <laughs> and Jesus said, there's no problem, there's no problem. The Lord Moses says that, but whoever out of you is not doing the same thing through the first stone. He bowed down. By the time he lifted his head, they had all disappeared. There wasn't even one person. All disappeared. So, we have a construct about the man and what a man is supposed to be in our world today. But we need to look back in scriptures to find the accurate description. We have no idea how far-reaching our words are as men. It's power. Whatever Adam called anything, that was what it became. So out of anger, men lash out. Jacob made a pronouncement. His wife wasn't even there. Rachel wasn't there. Jacob was speaking to her, her dad. The dad chased them down and accused or, or confronted Jacob. Why did you steal my gods? One of the most ridiculous statements that I found in the Bible. See, Jacob ran away while his father-in-law was out on a trip because he knew the man was a very, <laughs> very difficult man. So he took the man's two daughters, his wife now, and escaped. When the man came back, the man chased them down and then accused Jacob, why did you steal my gods? I underlined it in my Bible. Every time I get there, I underline it again. One of the most ridiculous statements in this world, they stole your God. <laughs> so your God can be stolen. <laughs> but then Jacob said, why are you accusing me of what I did not do? Check everybody. If you find it with anyone, let the person die. But it was his wife, Rachel, actually, that stole the idol. She died. What is are powerful. When God was going to birth Isaac through Abraham and Sarah, he made them to change what they called themselves. Made Abraham to change what he called Sarah. What's a powerful. However angry or frustrated you get, don't curse your wife. 
Don't curse anybody for that matter. Broken men misname children. That's what Satan wants to see everywhere. Broken children. Isaac made a mistake when his wife gave birth to twins. He said he named the first one Esau, the second one Jacob. You see where Jacob's problem started from too. So Esau means hairy. He said he came out that he had a lot of hair. Then they named him Harry. Actually, the English word Henry means Harry. But it's, it's a good name. You don't need to change it, okay? <laughs> okay. If you are Harry, it's fine. <laughs> we're just saying concerning these guys that before they were born, their mother had a difficult pregnancy and prayed. There were no scanning machines in those days. She had to pray. It was by revelation that she knew that she was carrying twins. God said to her, there are two nations in your womb. Two nations. And then when they were born, their dad named the first one Esau. They said the second one was holding on to the leg of the first one that he was struggling, like he wanted to come out first. So this guy must be a very clever guy. So they named him Jacob, the usurper. Okay, the cunning one. So I said, hello, but okay, let's agree you're not very creative. So why don't you name them, that is just name them by what God said. Nation one, nation two. <laughs> Please, he saw, says this cunning, and the guy was cunning. The name chased him down. But I'm going to come back to his story later. It's the reason why Satan comes after us, man. Because he knows when the man is broken, his world is going to be broken. So, broken men also abuse power. Broken men don't use power well. So you just notice all over the world right now, human nature and power don't make a good mix, whether it's political or financial, social, whatever it is. Human nature and power not making a good mix at all. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus said, you know that among the Gentiles, their rulers lord it over them. But among you, it shall not be so. Anyone who wants to be the greatest among you, let him be the servant. Right? Anyone who wants to be great among you, let him be the servant. Anyone who wants to be first, let him be the slave. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom or sacrifice for many. That's remarkable. He was turning the power structure, I wanted to say upside down, right side up. Because the purpose of power is not dominating other people, it is enhancing their lives. It's serving them. He came to change the rules. So, if we're not careful, therefore, to look at God's template, and I'm so happy Pastor Wallace spoke so much about the fact that we have the nature of God and that we need to bring that nature into practice. If we're not taking our structure, our template for manhood from God, we would have gone far in making mistakes and we still would not be fulfilled. Being a man, you <laughs> know, be a man. You know what I used to mean. Be a man. I grew up with the idea that, you know, by the time I would get married and have children, whenever I arrived from work, when they heard the horn, the sound of, the, of my car horn, they would die for cover. Everybody would disappear from the living room. Where did I get that idea from? That's how to be the man of the house.
So honestly, this aligns with what Pastor Wally was talking about. I think everything starts from your sense of identity. Who are you? Who do you think you are? What does it mean to be a man? So, we go back to the first man again. We go back to Adam. And the fact that it was God that named him. And the fact that when Satan came, it was that sense of identity that Satan went after. If, did God say that you should not eat of any of the fruits on the trees in the garden? He said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can eat, we can eat. But this particular one, he said we should not touch it. And Satan said, ah, 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 ah. God is hiding something from you. Because he knows that the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God. See, there's something inside man that craves to be like God. So why did they eat the fruit? Because they wanted to be like God. That was a puzzling question for me for many years until I got to understand it. Why did they eat the fruit? It's been puzzling for mankind for a long time. And for a long time, they taught us that it was an apple that they ate. For a long time. It was an apple. You know some people in the world still believe that it was an apple. I love apple products. (laughs) I love apple products. And I especially love the Apple logo. Because when I look at it, I see the part that Eve ate. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, (laughs) the Bible did not mention any fruit. The Bible did not mention any fruit. It was just fruit. The issue was not the fruit. The issue was the idea behind the eating of the fruit. They ate the fruit because they wanted to become like God. That was the promise that Satan made. Because man was created to be in the image of God. We had that earlier on. They ate the fruit because they wanted to become like God. But they had been tricked. Because the question I always ask is, who were they like in the first place? Let us make man in our own image. They were like God already, right? They were like God already. The trick was to get them to believe that they were not like God so that they would begin to struggle to become whom they were already. See, that trick was so effective and continues to be so effective, it is predictable that until Jesus comes, Satan will still be using that trick. Once he gets you to believe that you are less than you really are, he got you. Honestly, he turns you into an anointed struggler. Yeah, I use those words deliberately, anointed. Believing that you are less than you really are. That's why that first message was so powerful. I'm not a failure. I'm a mighty man. Not based on anything, any other parameters apart from the fact that I have God's nature. I'm created in his image. So, this is the big deal. This is the big deal now. That in our world, we're being fed with different ideas about what it means to be a man. We're being fed... (laughs) with different ideas. But originally to be a man, you just need to be born by God. Amen. (laughs) You need to be born by God. That's all. You need to be born by God. Okay? So, Christ came, right? Remember, from the first man, the man became broken, his world broken. Then God introduced Christ. 
he is referred to as the last Adam, not the second one, the last one. If he failed, there was going to be a big problem. The first Adam was introduced into the world in an adult body, right? So God squeezed the body together, breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. So I say to people, what God put into that body was more than air. It must have been more than air, right? Because if it was just air, I would have created human beings by now. Honestly. I would not have allowed my wife to carry babies, carry whole human beings inside her body for nine months. I would just have squeezed the babies. I would have squeezed mud, then attach a pump. <laughs> and they would have become a living soul. <laughs> God caught out of himself, pulled <laughs> spirits out of himself and dumped them inside that body. Amen. Amen. So when the last Adam was coming, because the first Adam was corrupted, God bypassed the man, just put him direct in the woman's womb. So this one was not created in an adult body. He came as a baby. And they took time to cook him. They cooked him. We'll talk a bit more about that tomorrow. When he was 30, then God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the next thing we hear is Satan tempting him. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. So in other words, what God said was not enough. Remember Adam. Remember Adam. When Adam was created, how was he supposed to know who he was? He just opened his eyes and met himself in this world. The only accurate source of his identity was God. Only accurate source. Satan knew that. Everything else was going to rest on that foundation. Satan came, attacked that foundation. Everything went wrong from there. Now the last Adam came. Almighty God pronounced, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Satan came right after him. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Perform. Perform. That's one word that men hear. People don't understand how much it means to us as men. Perform. <laughs> Sadly, one of our brothers in church told us many years ago how his brother-in-law used to be a successful businessman and business went down. And the man just could not get himself together. He would just sit despondent, think, and then utter the words. So I'm the one that has become like this. And this particular day, he played a game, draft, with his friend in the afternoon, then said he wanted to get some rest. Went into the bedroom. And then after a few hours, the wife thought the nap was getting too long. She went there to look at him. And he was weeping. Tears were rolling down his face. So she called him. He did not respond. She pushed him. He was dead. He was gone. He was gone. And, you know, it's terrifying. Because you have the idea of how he died. He thought himself into death. He was so broken, so heartbroken, that he just, he just passed. That's terrible. But that would only happen if Satan was taunting him. Taunting him to define his identity as a man by his achievement. Turn this stone into bread. If the stone does not turn into bread, then, sorry, you're a failure. That's it for us now. That's how we're cultivated in this world, from childhood. Write the exam. If you pass the exam, you're a success. If you don't pass the exam, you're a failure. If you have money in the account, you're rich. If you don't have money in the account, you're poor. 
Is, are those not the definitions? That's, those are the parameters we were given from childhood. So the question here, did Christ have the power to turn the stone into bread? Absolutely. Did he do it? No. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And when he said bread, he meant the material world. But by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Satan, I will never use natural or material parameters to define my identity. I will never go down that road with you. Never. Since God said it, I believe it. That settles it. I am who God says I am. Say with me again, I'm a mighty man. <laughs> Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, anyone who's experienced brokenness, anyone who's experienced loss of confidence, anyone who's experienced sadness because of a failure, because things did not turn out well, anyone who's been mislabeled, mislabeled, mislabeled because the big problem here is what the society itself even says I declare by the power of God every negative label is destroyed I prophesy healing I prophesy restoration before this conference is over revelation will enter your spirit that will define your identity in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I prophesy, this men's conference marks the beginning of a season of restoration. Whatever you lost is coming back. Whatever Satan took is coming back. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Alright. So the last Adam came and showed us the pattern. He passed the test. So the amazing thing you notice about him is that he treated women with dignity. He gave them esteem. You can't give what you don't have. Right? So, so he was the one that they brought this woman to that was caught in adultery. And he asked her, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. So you find out if I, it's an interesting thing that I discovered about life. If you find someone being too harsh on you, that's how harsh they are on themselves. It's just that you are not part of their internal conversations. If somebody is cutting you down, that's how they cut themselves down. You can't give what you don't have. So the one that was not condemning himself that was complete in who God called him, He's, he was the one that told someone caught in the very act of adultery, I don't condemn you. I don't have condemnation to give. I'm only here for restoration. I'm only here for healing. Let's go and sin no more. Treated women with dignity, treated children with respect. Treated children with respect. It's amazing. The Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, was preaching at the crusade. Young children said they wanted to see him too. And he caught his disciples shooing the children away. Whose child is this? Come on, take your boy. Take your child. What are children looking for here? This is serious business. Reverend Jesus is ministry. <laughs> And he stopped the salmon right in the middle and said, bring those children here. He said, you know what? Until you adults become like these little children, you can't make heaven. You won't even be part of the kingdom of God at all. He said, eh? <laughs> Treated children with dignity, with respect. I'm painting the picture of a man <laughs> from God's template. Amen. <laughs> We are builders. We are restorers. We are healers. And I love one thing about Christ, that he used power to serve. 
in John chapter 4, Christ had the conversation with this woman that he met by the well. Interesting conversation. <laughs> you know, I said men usually feature in women's conversations. So Jesus said, please give me water to drink. She said, ah, how can you, hmm? a Jew, being a man, two major reasons why you should not even be speaking to me. You're a Jew. The Jews felt that the Samaritans were inferior people. And then the men did not talk to the women. Said, you're a Jew, you're a man. Why are you talking to me? Jesus said, if you knew the person that was talking to you, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for water. She said, ah, uh -uh. where will you get the water from? I have the bucket. <laughs> where would? Jesus said to her, whoever drinks the water of this life, he will thirst again. Whoever drinks the water of this life, he will thirst again. Whoever drinks the one that I have to give, it will be in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. He will never thirst again. She said, what? There's water that a human being can drink and never thirst again. Give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well. Jesus said, good. Go call your husband. He said, hmm? I don't have a husband. He said, that's technically correct. You've been married five times. The man you are living with now is not your husband. She said, what? You must be a prophet. What was Jesus trying to tell her? You've been looking for satisfaction, looking for fulfillment. Where they told you you will find it, sadly you did not find it. She was looking for it in, a bro in broken men. The broken men could not restore her. She was looking in the wrong place. That's what Jesus was saying. Anything. See, that's, you've got to be very careful what you're hearing, what you're seeing, day in, day out. Because the big challenge of our world right now is overload of information. And whether you realize it or not, whatever you see and hear consistently over time will enter your heart. The way a seed, seed goes into the soil and takes on new life. But something that never existed before. Okay, but that seed in bigger dimension. That's the way information works. Okay, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Let me go again. <laughs> attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Your eye gate and air gate, whatever comes in consistently, somewhere along the line, it will move from the realm of the conscious to the subconscious. Once it enters the subconscious, it puts your life on autopilot. You don't even need to think. It will forcefully influence your decision making without you thinking. That's the dangerous part to it. Okay? So here we are in the culture right now. They are wondering why incest is increasing, rape is increasing. Why is violence is increasing? That's what people are seeing and hearing. Period. So if you're going to be God's kind of man, then you've got to be seeing and hearing differently. So, this woman, the first man, the second man, the third man, the fourth man, the fifth. So obviously she was programmed to believe that whatever it was she needed was in a man. She was on man number six. And Jesus said, this water you are drinking, it will never satisfy you. Whoever drinks of the water of this life will thirst again. I want to say that, therefore, to us men, if success has been defined to you or defined for you, having money, especially having money, having a lot of money, man must break through. Ah, son of man must break through. <laughs> having a lot of money, having a big car, having a good job, having this, having that, having, having, having. You may just find out you are drinking water that will not satisfy you. You will have to drink again. You'll have to drink again. That car that you bought, there will be a new model in a few months' time. Fresh water. <laughs> Fresh Mercedes water. 
maybe another man. Oh, maybe the problem was the last one, another one, another one, another one. Say, not satisfy you. Whoever drinks the one that I have to give. He said, you must be a prophet. Ah, father spoke about the Messiah. He said, I'm the one. Said, ah, but you guys say that we must come to Jerusalem before worship. He said, forget. Stop running all over the place. God is a spirit. The worship can happen anywhere you are. God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Cultivate your relationship with God. Cultivate your relationship with God. We humans are designed to become like the person we hang with the most. The most. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Proverbs 13:20: He who walks the wise will be wise. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Woman, worship God. But you know the beautiful thing for me was the fact that the Bible says that she left the water pot and ran into the city. And I like what she said to the people of the city. Come and see a man. Just put pause there. (laughs) Yeah, she said, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. But I like to put a pause on where a man shows up. Come and see him. You call yourself men. The proof of your manliness is the thing between your legs. Come and see a man. Come and see a man that I thought was about to toast me. Because I think some things were running through her. She knew men inside out. So when Jesus was saying, can you give me water to drink? I suspect it was like, uh, that's how they start. <laughs> It turned out that unlike those that always came to take from her, this one came to give to her. Hmm? Come and see Emma. So Jesus said, it's in worship. It's in cultivating a deep relationship with God. So the mighty man is a worshiper. The mighty man prioritizes his relationship with God. The mighty man is a worshiper. Worship is is worship. Worship, worship, worship. What? Celebration of God's value. And because he is almighty, he is omnipotent. You know potent is the short form of potential. Omnipotent, potent power. All power. The potential for everything is inside him. Everything came from inside him and he is still complete. Worship is celebrating his value, celebrating his worth. And you know the amazing thing that happens when you worship him? He deposits part of that value in you. That is what makes you a magnet for everything else that you need in this world. Mm -hmm. Why did Satan ask Jesus to worship him? Because the Bible says he took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the, all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, and then said to him, all these will I give to you if you will bow down and do what? Worship me. Ascribe to me ultimate value, and I will give you value. I will give you, I'll give you power, and I'll give you wealth. Why was Satan asking for worship in exchange for power? Political power, financial power. Why? Satan has never invented a principle of his own. He's not God. He only abuses God's principles. 
So that's the principle. That really is the principle. You worship God, he deposits part of the worth in you. It is God that gave gold its value. It is God that gave silver its value. It is God that gives you your value. Did I hear you say amen? amen. God told Samuel, go down to Jesus' house, go to Bethlehem, and anoint one of his sons to be king. Samuel poured oil on the young man's head. He got value. He got worth. 1 Samuel 16, 13. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. It was a reference point. It was a new season. He was a new person. Because the next verse, verse 14 says, and the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Saul lost value. An evil spirit began to distress him. They began to discuss in the palace, looking for who would come solve the problem. Saul said, bring me a young man that can play on the harp so that I may be refreshed. And somebody mentioned David's name there. Was that coincidence? 1 Samuel 16, 13, they poured oil on his head. Verse 14, there was a problem in the palace. Was that coincidence? No. The oil that was poured on his head was not for the bush. That was where he was, chasing after sheep. It was for the palace. God had to create a bridge from the bush to the palace. They needed someone to solve a problem in the palace, and his name was being mentioned there. He just got value. He just got value. He went there, played on the harp. The evil spirit moved away from Saul. He was solving problems in the palace. It is God that gives you value. Worship is an exchange of value. You recognize and celebrate God's value, he deposits the value in you. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and only him shall thou serve. So Jesus was saying to Satan, I can't go for the fake when I have access to the original. I will not worship you. You have no value in my eyes. <laughs> One of the young people in our church, young men, you know, we met on the golf course a few years back. And I was golfing with one of our pastors. So the pastor introduced him to me. I didn't know him, but he had been in our church for many years. Young, he wasn't even 40 yet. He was one of the young billionaires, at least in Naira. <laughs> in, in our church. And he, he had been in the church for some 15 years. And he said to me, thank you. Thank you for all those trainings, all the teachings, everything. My life has changed. He said, but I just wanted to let you know that I need you now. All those teachings about starting a business and all that, I don't need those ones anymore. He said, some of us did not only achieve our goals, we exceeded them. Gave me an idea of what he, the turnover was for his businesses. He said, but right now, I need mentoring on a new level. He said, I've tried to get mentors out there. He said, interestingly, when I approach the people I think are successful, they want to pull me into a cult. So some of the people that we envy, that we admire, they're in covenant. They're worshipers, but you don't know who they're worshiping. He said, if you tell me anywhere in the world where you could just give me some hours, afford to give me some hours exclusively, anywhere in the world, he said, I will fly there to come and meet you. I said, wow. He said, I'm not the only one in that class in our church. So I actually started something for them. So, the mighty man, the God kind of mighty man is a worshiper, not a struggler, a worshiper. One that recognizes God's value and celebrates that value. One that prioritizes God, gives him first place. And Christ showed us the example. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, the Bible says that a great while before day, he departed into a solitary place, a deserted place, and there he prayed. A great while before day, God number one. And the interesting thing about that story is that the Bible says that when it was day, his disciples came. Can we move to the next verse? When it was day, 
And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, right? When they found him, they said what? Everyone is looking for you. We wake up in the morning. The first thing we're thinking about is who to go see, who to visit, appointment, who to call, who can help. That was now not how Jesus started his day. Jesus went after God. And as he was chasing God, people were chasing him. We were not designed to chase blessings. Blessings were designed to chase us. When God deposits value in you, you will attract everything else you are meant to attract. I'm saying that for someone here today, the days of struggling are over. Reorganize your life. Reprioritize your life. The mighty man, the God kind of mighty man, is a worshiper. Celebrates God's value and God drops value in there. Jesus prioritized God. So you would notice his definition of success was different from everybody else's definition of success. John chapter 7, his brother said to him, it was about to be the time of the great feast. They said, why are you hiding here? You say you are anointed, right? They go and show yourself to everybody. Nobody carries the kind of anointing you say you carry. And then they hide themselves somewhere. Go and show yourself. You, you know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said, you go on to the feast. He said, every time is your time. My own time has not come. Thank you, Jesus. So Christ only moved in step with heaven. When God said, go, he went. When God said, stop, he stopped. No sentiments. No sentiment. They told him his friend Lazarus was sick and was about to die. He did not rush. That's the mighty man, sir. God first. God first. He stayed. He stayed. He knew God was about to do something. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the Son of Man should be glorified thereby. Satan, Satan moved, you moved too close. You moved too close. My close friend. But he did not move. And then when he got the clearance, he moved. <laughs> got there. Martha said, if you had been here, he would not have died. <laughs> he, Jesus said, the God that I serve created time. He cannot be bound by time. Someone said once, God created man. Man created the clock. Man now uses the clock to time God. Thank you, Jale. Error. 101. <laughs> Honestly, if you prioritize fellowship with God, he will blow your mind. He will give you simple instructions that will resolve issues. You will step out and be able to say like Christ, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me. I love it. I love it. Jesus said that before he started working miracles. We want to raise the dead before we believe we are anointed. Jesus said he was anointed because God said so. Then the results followed. Say with me again, I'm a mighty man. <laughs> Whatever was the source of confusion before this conference, I declare today the days of confusion are over forever. I prophesy in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, whatever temptations Satan created worked out, whatever temptations Satan worked out to trip us off, I declare where we failed before, there's no failure anymore. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man, you know, he was trying to be humble. He described how he was caught up to the third heavens, saw revelations, saw things he was not even permitted to discuss with human beings. He said, but I'm not going to brag. He said, because lest I be puffed up above measure, a messenger of Satan was given to me to harass me. He said, concerning this thing, I sought the Lord three times. That is a mighty man, sir, a worshiper. I sought the Lord. People don't seek the Lord. They seek people. They seek for solutions. Paul ran to God. He said, I besought the Lord three times. He said, then the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, some of us don't even know why God allows some challenges to come. He wants to hear your voice. Paul was a strong man, sir. When you read his qualifications, the level of his education, the intelligence, his capacity, he was a powerful guy. 
Paul was the kind of a guy who, when he confronted a situation, prayer will not be the first thing that will occur to him. He will crack his head. He, he believed he could solve any problem. He was a very courageous man. <laughs> and God doesn't need that. God needs people that depend on him. So, what was Paul saying to God? This thing going on in my life does not fit the picture of success they've painted for us. At this level of success, with this kind of anointing, with this kind of power, my life is supposed to be perfect. God said, Paul, you know, he said, God, remove it, remove the thing, remove. God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, Oga, let's leave it. Because I found out that's the only opportunity I have to pour grace into your life. You are too strong. If I show up in your place, your area of strength, and you got results, we won't know who did it. So I think I want to show up where you are powerless. So that by the time the result shows up, <laughs> there will be no argument as to who did it. I'm prophesying on someone here. I'm prophesying on someone. I am prophesying on someone here. Peter and his friends tried to catch fish all night. They caught nothing. Fishermen. And it was that same day, after bad news had gone out to town, because the market women came, there was no fish. Carried bad news. That was when Jesus came and said, let me use your boat. And now asked them to throw the net during the day. In the same sea where they knew there was no fish, fish showed up now. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Don't forget, God is the ultimate creator. God is the ultimate creator. When the revelation came from Jesus, launch out into the deep, throw your net for a catch. Ah, fish was created. I prophesy on someone here. The days of struggling are over. The days of frustration are over. In the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy, the place of your prayer will become your sweetest place. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night. We turned it into religion. Half of the people there are sleeping. It's a struggle. Jesus did not do all night like that. He prayed all night because he was enjoying it. John 5, 19, he said the son can do nothing by himself except whatever he sees the father doing. He said for the father loves the son and shows him whatever he himself is doing. What was he saying? Anything you see me doing on this planet here, God already did it spiritually. That's why it works easy for me. I prophesy again, the days of struggling are over. In the mighty name of Jesus. Tonight, I prophesy a fresh baptism yeah. of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Fresh baptism yeah. of the Spirit of God. Yeah. I want you to go ahead and speak to God and tell him nobody will ever take your place in my life anymore. Nobody's voice will ever rise higher than your voice in my life anymore. You hold the highest place. You have the greatest value. You will forever stay number one in terms of worth, in terms of value. Nobody's voice will precede your voice. Nobody, nobody's instruction or advice will supersede your voice or advice. Today I celebrate you as the Almighty, the King over all kings, Lord over all lords. The king over all kings, lord over all lords, creator of the universes. Our brains cannot comprehend your capacity, the vastness of your greatness. I can never find anyone, anyone greater than you. I will never take anybody's word and put more value on it than your word. Whether the person is a king or a president, whether the person is a mentor or employer, I will never give anybody power anymore that does not belong to them. I will never celebrate Satan. Never ascribe to him power that he doesn't have. You have ultimate say. 
You have ultimate say. I believe in your sovereignty. I believe in your sovereignty. You created time, but you are not bound by time. You created principles, but you are the principal. You are not bound by, by them. The presence or absence of money can never limit you. Today, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I give you my life. I sacrifice my life. You are worth much more than my life. I give you everything. I give you everything. Do with my life what you want to do with it. Do with my life what you want to do with it. My definition of success will never be acquisition again from today. My definition of success is obedience to your voice. My definition of success is obedience to your voice. Whether it makes sense to people or not, today I consecrate myself to you and say that I will obey your voice because I trust you. You have the best plan for my life. Please go ahead and worship him. Love on him. He showed you love already. He showed you what he thinks your value is. He laid down the life of his son. Love him back. Love him back. If God did not withhold anything from us, especially his son, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Jacob struggled all his life. Struggled to succeed. Struggled to stay alive. Esau vowed to kill him. He ran away. Clever schemes, plans all the time, strategy. And then the day he was going back home in Genesis 32, he heard Esau was coming and was afraid. And Lord, it is written there. You showed up. And Jacob once again began to wrestle with you. Believing he was struggling with an enemy. You removed his hip socket. Created a weakness just to teach him to depend on you, not on his strength. It was when you said, I'm leaving, that he now held you. And said, I will not let you go. He knew it. If you left him the way he was, he was finished. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And Lord, the first thing you did was to change his name. He said, what is your name? What have they been calling you? Drop those labels. Drop the world's definition of success or failure. You are now Israel, a prince of God. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I present to you everyone present, a part of this conference. Heavenly Father, I present everyone that is a part of this conference that today, Lord, as we celebrate your worth, your value, as we worship you, as we give you absolute say over our lives, accept these sacrifices. And like it was for Jacob, God of heaven, help us so that we will never depend on human ability again. Help us so that we will never define ourselves according to the world's definitions anymore. And now, Father God, in Jesus' name, you gave Jacob a new name. Everyone who's been called a failure by the world standards, called poor by the world standards, called unemployed by the world standards, called sick by the world standard. Today, I destroy every negative label. I stand, Heavenly Father, under your authority to declare the curse is broken. By reason of the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, every curse is destroyed. In the name of Jesus. And every cycle of failure that they created is broken. Tonight, new cycles are created. Cycles of blessing. Cycles of favor. Cycles of victory. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Any sickness, any disease of any kind, it may be physical, it may be mental, it may be emotional. Right now, I declare you are hanging on to the wrong person. The one you held on to before is dead. A new one has resurrected tonight. We are buried with Christ through baptism into death. That as God raised him from death, the power that raised Christ from death also raised us. Raises us. I prophesy that the power that raised Christ from death touches everyone here. And I prophesy a new resurrection. A new labor. A new identity. Someone will sleep tonight. You will see things you never saw before. New visions. New dreams. Someone will wake up tomorrow morning and the first ideas that will come to your mind will be revelations from God. I prophesy your prayer life will never be the same again. The moment you start praying, the heavens will open over you. I prophesy angelic intervention in your life like it never happened before. And I prophesy someone here, you will attract resources like you never did before. You will attract people you never attracted before. You will attract opportunities you never attracted before. You will attract favor like it never happened before. You will meet people you never met. Help will show up for you now like never before. Someone is struggling with debt right now, yet this time next year you're a multi-millionaire. And it will be clear, it's not human ability. It is God that did this. When people see you walking on the street, they will remember God. You will be the proof that God exists. In Jesus' name.